We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you have one rule where you were like, you can't? This is the one rule. If you say something really mean and horrible, you won't get in trouble if it's funny. And that was our rule. But if it was a miss, if the punchline was, was a miss, there. it was like, go to your room. Okay, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Don't Tell Mom. It might sound a little weird this week. It always sounds weird. I feel like I'm bad at editing. I'm not a fucking composer, but we're on Zoom, me and Skylar. What does your cup say? I believe. Yeah. Who gave you that for Christmas? Um, I think it was my boyfriend's mom just sent us mugs. It is one of those things where like the mug itself I really like, but I might have to just write on this in Sharpie. Like I believe in the power of Xanax or something just to keep it relevant. Yeah, you don't seem like a person who believes that much. I don't. (laughs) I'm a... (laughs) Is that the roundabout way of saying? (laughs) Yeah, that was a compliment. That was a compliment. So I want to do, I want to make this a segment, a regular segment on the show, but I always get a little embarrassed on Instagram to be like, send me your suggestions, send me your questions. It's embarrassing if you don't get any responses, but I had a girl on Instagram reach out to me and tell me this fucking insane story. And I was like, all right, I obviously have to talk about this in the podcast. Um, So she emailed me. I was like, email me the full story. So this girl, Madison, very cool. Love you, Madison. Um, She's in Miami, which is, this is is devastating because I love Miami. And um, here's her email. All right. So I met this tall, hot dude on Tinder. So many red flags with that first statement. So much wrong with that. Tall, hot dude on Tinder. I got herpes that way. We've all been there. And we message for a few days before he asked me to grab a drink. We meet up, introduce ourselves, and order drinks. And before they even arrive, he's talking to the girl next to him. She overheard us talking about his fucking dog. Okay, so we hear you're not a dog person, Not like the dog, got it. <laughs> I get it, though. When a guy's, like, all about his dog, it's, like, relaxed, sir. Definitely like a black lab. A black lab named Boomer. <laughs> She overheard us talking about his fucking dog, and apparently she had the same breed. So a golden doodle. Drinks arrive. I'm drinking mine, and he's still talking to her. Bartender comes back, and he's still talking to her about this fucking dog. So I order two shots, hoping to grab his attention back. They literally get up together and leave, and she waves back at me while he says, it was nice to meet you. Obviously, I took both shots, and the bartender saw the whole thing, and he took care of my tab. And the tall, hot dude hit me up a week later to go grab a drink. So he left her on a date for another random girl and then hit her up a week later. I'm like, can I see a picture of this guy? Because that confidence is... I was going to say, like, un... Like, amazing. But... You know, to be fair, I kind of want to respond to her right now. She didn't say if she didn't go. <laughs> I, I feel like if she's telling me this story, she didn't go. But there's a part of me, if I got rejected that hard, I would want to go because That's I would want to be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I, I've never been this petty, but I would like to think that I would go and just like hit up a guy friend of mine and be like, can you do me a solid and show up at this bar? Like we have some, I just need to live this out. Because who That's like, what we should do. Madison, you should hit this guy up, say you want to go on a date, and have a guy friend come and leave with him. That is brilliant. Just, you're just reversing it. It's amazing. I'm shocked that he had the balls to do it, but yeah, there is a certain level of just like being in awe of somebody having that much douchey confidence. You're like, wow. Oh, I mean, it worked. The original story without him hitting her up, that's I, unbelievable. 
because it's also the audacity of the other girl to turn around and be like, oh my God, bye. Like, I can't imagine being that big of a bitch. So quite honestly, maybe they were made for each other. Yeah, but then he hit her up a week later. So clearly it was a one night, you know, one and done situation. I mean, it's Tinder, so... Yeah, it's Tinder and it's so accessible and so easy. So it's shocking to me this tall, hot dude would hit her up again as opposed to just getting back on Tinder. Yeah. Like, I feel like the move to hit her up again is like, you must be able to explain. You can't be that unaware. I want to know what the message was when he reached back out. Was it just like a casual, like, hey, like, sorry, we lost touch. Do you want to go grab drinks? Or was it a, hey, so sorry about last time? Like, Again, it would be amazing if he was just like, hey, what's going on? And that was it. Like, didn't even acknowledge how fucked up I mean, up was he so fucked up, maybe the girls looked alike and he went home with the wrong girl? I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, I hate that that girl left with him. I would, I just can't imagine. But honestly, if I was that other girl, I would assume it wasn't a date. If a guy was hitting on me that hard and we hit it off and he was like, do you want to get out of here? I would be like, oh, it. they must be old friends or like, Brother but I feel like I would bring it up. Like, I would be so worried. I'm just, like, I'm so terrified of ever offending someone, ironically. I feel like I would, like, look at the girl big. I'm sorry, are you guys, like, I would bring her into it. I don't know, maybe it's, like, girl code all the way, but I feel like I would look at her and be like, are you guys together? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I that's interrupt. true. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That is, that's insane. I just can't imagine someone on a date and me leaving with their date and be like, see ya, bye. I just think guys are in quarantine have been acting in a way that, it's just dating has always been bad, but it's just like, who are these people? Well, they is it just like everyone common. died of Corona that had some sort of a heart or like common sense? I think it's just they now have something to blame it on. I think before they didn't take initiative and before it was like, oh, well, that girl is expecting too much and all this stuff, which they never were. And now they're just like, well, like, how can I be expected to plan this date? The world is so uncertain. I'm like, it's not. People are out and about walking around like. We're not- yeah, the world is so uncertain, but I have to go to Tulum real quick with right. my boys. There's no way. Yeah, it's like, I can't meet you. I I have to leave with this other girl at a bar because Corona. I, I can only do one at a time. Just- I only yeah. have one condom, so BRB. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just think about the beginning of quarantine. I mean, I'm still, you know, I've talked about it so much in this podcast, but I, I think back to the beginning of quarantine with my good guy friend who was like sending me a book. He was having me send him naked pictures, just like all this shit, initiating it so much. And the whole time he was dating someone in LA. And then he acted like I was the crazy person. Because he got caught. <laughs> It felt like the end of the world, I think. So I think he was just trying to weigh out all his options. And then he decided to go with a 19-year-old who lived close by. But And then was flying girls out from Florida. He's insane. But I guess my point is, like, his behavior just escalated. Because I think he just – it's like there are no rules anymore. What's that movie with, like, the party? The party movie Project X? Yes. Do you remember that? It feels like the world is, like, Project X right now. I feel like Florida is Project X, but all the time. It's always Project (laughs) X. Yeah, but even like, it's just, you're like, oh, well, it's a pandemic, you know, or it's hard times, whatever. And it's like, okay, I just feel like people are letting that slip their, and I get it, it's shit's terrible right now, but it's like, why are you making it worse for other people? Like this fucking poor girl. I mean, I feel like Madison really, really dodged a bullet here. But it's still assuming sucks. she didn't go on that second date. Yeah, but we don't yeah, know. Yeah, assuming she didn't go. I'm going to hit her up right now and be like, did you end up going on that date? I just feel like she wouldn't. I liked her DM energy. I just don't think she would. And if she did, I probably would have. So I can't really say anything. I mean, if she got another round of free drinks out of it, that's just good economics. And he didn't pay the tab. That guy didn't even leave her cash. He ordered drinks and then just left. I mean, who is that guy's mother? Who he obviously does not have one no. or any parents at all. He was just raised by snakes. Did she say what color hair he had? Tall, <laughs> hot dude. No, I just because I like blondes, and uh, my friend was always like, Hannah, the reason why you have trouble dating is because you date Slytherins <laughs> like Harry Potter, all the Slytherins. I didn't even watch Harry Potter, but I knew exactly what she's talking about Draco Malfoy with the blonde hair. Yeah. Slytherins are bad. <laughs> Wait, I told you about the guy, um, that guy, Whitney. I'm always bringing his name up where I'm like, Whitney, this guy did like two years ago who asked me to play the quiet game, but we're in love. 
and uh, I get a text from him randomly, and I was like, yes! Like, I, it was just so out of the blue, just sitting on my couch, doing nothing. I get a text from Whitney, and I'm like, yeah, we're back in it, baby. And he goes, he just texts <laughs> me, he was like, I'm at my office Christmas party, and I open the gift, and I, you're the model on it. And he sends me a photo of the girl on his gift. Is it not you? I would, I mean, I, I guess I saw it, but it was just like, oh, you're not trying to fuck. <laughs> this is in no way a trying to start a conversation, because uh, this is uh, not very nice. Oh. I think all women are beautiful, except for the ones who kind of look like me and aren't. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I was like, God fucking damn it. And I said, that's what you get for blowing me off so much. That's your memory. And uh, he didn't respond. So it wasn't even like he was trying to start a conversation. He was trying to get back into my phone. Nope. He just saw a six and was like, this is Hannah. <laughs> I feel like it's just always dangling the thing. And with anyone you ever dated or had any kind of relationship-ish thing with like you never want them to forget about you entirely you're like hey remember hey remember like I'm still here it's just like this weird sociopathic thing that's so true because I used to hit him up like randomly and I'd send him an emojis with that talk like I'd send an alligator face and be like Whitney what's up I miss you kind of as a joke but 100% serious and uh And I just hadn't in in a while because I was like, well, this is like not that fun anymore because at first (laughs) he was really engaging and then it got less engaging and then it's like, well, it's not fun if you're just being weird. Yeah. But a part of me is like he would have, because I see people that look like someone, but if I really didn't want to start a conversation, I wouldn't tell them about it. I'd be like, oh, that looks like that person. You do kind of have to have a moment of clarity where you're like, what am I hoping to get out of this? Because if it's just to like send somebody something and then have them reply like, ha ha. I'm like, nope, that's worst case scenario. I don't, this isn't even worth it to me. Like, it's not that funny. And this is just going to make me feel worse about myself. Yeah, it's just confusing because you didn't really try to keep the conversation going. So I was just like, was that text just like hurt my feelings or? Yeah. Per use, just very single. I've been matched. I matched with a couple guys from my high school on Tinder just to. I matched with the homecoming king on my on Tinder. Uh, that's pretty big news. <laughs> I just want it. I just need to prove it to myself that it's possible. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I don't know. But it's just kind of like a little ego thing for me. It's kind of like Candy Crush, but I'm crushing my own ego and emotions and <laughs> your self worth. I just wonder what it'd be like to make out with someone I went to high school with who I didn't really know. There's a weird level of awkward. It's like the thing I was saying when you like go home to your parents' house. I'm like, I feel like I'm 17 again. I feel very awkward about this. You yeah, because even though they're not cute anymore and I wouldn't swipe on them if they weren't hot in high school, you just remember, you know, you just remember him getting that crown at homecoming and you're like, what's up? What's up? So many guys that I went to high school with, like dad bought it up real hard, pretty much like before college was even done. So I feel like when I ran into them post-college, it was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, what happened? Like, I guess when you play football anymore, but you still pretend you do, like you look 40 at the age of 24. It's weird. Yeah. My friend used to talk about this thing called office hot, which is like, you're in an office all day. You're around this, you're around someone and you're like, oh my God, they're so hot because you spend so much time with them and you have such a great time, but you only see them in the office. But then if you run into them like out at a bar and you're with your friends and they're with their friends, you're like, ooh, Greg is not hot, actually, in like a regular setting, but in a cubicle setting. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're wearing jeans with flip flops. What is going on? And like a weird grommet belt from 2004, like office people seeing them in like casual wear, assuming that your office like isn't super casual to begin with is always weird. Like I've never, or on the opposite, like seeing them at a holiday party, super dressed up is also very weird. Cause you get a much better sense of someone. You're like, Oh, you don't know how to put this together at all. And yeah, I think now with Instagram, it's a little easier. Cause you can like go to your coworkers Instagram and be like, you wear thrasher t-shirts on the weekends. And like, Oh, you wear white sunglasses. Yeah. You drink warm Bud Light seltzers because that's who you are. But I don't know. I've been pulling at my hair because that's what I do. It's a disease. 
I guess. Yeah. I know the one you pull out your eyelashes is like trichotillomania or something. It's like that. that. But yeah. it's my, I do it to the bottom of my hair. So like the back is shorter, is very short. And it's like, I have this anxiety mullet now. <laughs> I mean, Miley Cyrus has one now. So maybe you're just trying to be trendy. I love Miley Cyrus. Of Miley too. She's my one celebrity crush, I think. Mine is Vanessa Hudgens, I've decided. Really? I love her. Yeah. Did you see what she did at the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. Have you seen the movie Frozen Ground? No. It's a I don't thriller. Love her work. Let me be honest. I yeah, not- what wait, you don't like what she says personally or her work? What part of Vanessa Hudgens do you like? She's a I bad actress and she has like- bad takes. Yeah, I think she just looks like a lot of fun to hang out with. I think the fact that I don't know what she does, but she always seems to be doing something, and then out of nowhere, the Princess Switch 2 came out. I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad you're working. That's really admirable, but like... Were you a high know. school musical girl? No, not at all. <laughs> so literally, of- you don't even like her greatest work. I like the fact that she has... She broke herself out of the Disney mold so early by sending nudes to Zac Efron and getting those leaked. Like, she's known what she was doing. She's like, I'm going to make the money here, but I am kind of like a huge, slutty, awesome, fun girl. And that's who I plan to be. So I think, I don't think she's very talented. She had a a singing career for a hot second. It was about sneakers, I think. I don't remember. Um, That's so funny. I guess I respect that. It's like, you're like, she's not very talented, yet she has made a career and lives in a home that she owns. Yeah. When did you start liking her? So you like follow her on Instagram? Yeah, I think I, I've followed her on Instagram forever because I don't follow many celebrities. I get bored with them really easily. So like to hold my attention for as long as she has is pretty, it means something. Well, because I like, I'm like, I don't want you to promote things. I think the reason I like Vanessa Hudgens is she makes it seem like, like she posts just stupid random shit. Of just she doesn't out- promote anything because she doesn't have anything to promote. No, it's great. So she's just like living her life. She's going to a boxing gym for no fucking reason. I don't know why she is, I don't know what she's training for. I don't know what career she's trying to like keep going, but I respect that she's still doing things. <laughs> you aspire to make as much money and do as little as Vanessa Hudgens. And that's why you like her. You're like, I just really respect the fact that she does nothing all day, but work out and complain about the virus and say people need to die. Yeah. And she's that's, still like, she completely canceled from it. As far as I know, that's amazing. Because she can't get canceled because she doesn't have a career. People are like, oh, <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens said that. What are we going to do? Take away the princess witch? I don't even know what the fuck that is. She was on Broadway for a little bit too. And I think she played Rizzo in Grease Live. <laughs> now you're defending her career. You're like going on IMDb. You're like, wait. She did an episode of Law and Order. Wait, that was the beginning. <laughs> that was before High School Musical. She just played the dead body in a bag and they rolled her off screen. I loved it. Some of her best oh, Look, work. I, I mean, I dream of getting that role, but um, I'm still not there yet with my own career. She's in this movie called Frozen Ground. So it's um, John Cusack, Nicolas Cage, and Vanessa Hutchins. And it's about this serial killer in Alaska. It's based off a true story. Hmm. And Vanessa Hudgens plays this 18-year-old stripper who's addicted to crystal meth. And her acting is like, I kept waiting for her to bust out in song. <laughs> you know? It was just like so dramatic to where it's like, you know where my mom is? Like she had a weird accent that you're like, where are you from? Alaska? I, it's like, do Alaskans yeah, talk like that? Alaska? I feel like that's yeah. totally besides the point. How many? I feel like there are only strippers in Alaska. That's so funny. I've always wondered how Vanessa Hudgens has so many followers. And uh, right here. Because I think it's hard to get Instagram followers. I mean, now, especially. It's interesting when I see Nickelodeon or Disney stars from so long ago have millions of followers. And I'm like, I guess people are curious what they're up to. Yeah. It's It's just the nostalgia thing paired with like, yeah, like now that you're not on Ned's Declassified, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you doing? And that's the thing. It's like, are you, did you completely get away from the acting world and now you're just like living your life? Or are you like a producer now? It's, I don't know. Those, those things fascinate me. Cause I'm like, if that show's still in syndication or people give half a fuck about it, you're probably getting paid some kind of royalty on it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember, uh, maybe I've already told you this, the guy from Zoe 101, Chase. Yeah. The brunette. Mm-hmm. 
I went on a date with him. How was that? Is doesn't he have like a famous relative of some kind? I I don't know. I met him on Tinder and I was like, there's no way this is I was like, uh, Chase Matthews. And she was like, Yeah, that's me. And I was like, there's no way. You're catfishing me. He's like, let's when we exchange numbers and he like face or no, he didn't FaceTime me because I don't even think there was FaceTime because this was I was a sophomore in college. And he just like texted me a picture and was like, What's up? How are you? And so yeah. we met at um we met in Santa Monica. I brought my friend and he brought Mark Del Figolo, that character that played Mark Del Figolo. So we were like on this double date with these two Nickelodeon teen stars. And it's like, you realize that when kids are cast, they're cast as themselves. Like they're not these brilliant actors. They're not trained. It's like who they are. So it's like two really awkward guys, like let's get ice cream. You know, and we're like, we're trying to get cocktails. And they're like, nah, let's eat ice cream. And I'm like, Oh, let's not drink alcohol. Yeah, I'm like, clearly you weren't that successful that you don't have a fucking addiction problem. And then I actually regret that I didn't follow through with that because he was a, he was cool, but I was a f- sophomore in college and I was just like, I don't know. This feel It was kind of awkward and like, I, I think I just, I feel bad because looking back, he was probably like, that bitch just wanted to meet me because I was on a show. And it's like, yeah. Um, but it was You're just so- what no he has a ton of followers on instagram that's what i'm saying he has like 150,000 followers i'm get in on it i should try to get him on the podcast do like, it. i miss you <laughs> hey babe i'd love to reconnect he'd be like you immature bitch but i truly was when i first had tinder i was so fucking immature i mean i, I still mean, am it was for it was for 21 and 22 year olds who had no fucking clue what they were doing and didn't care okay well i know you have to go soon um yeah, you weren't in this interview. We missed you. I know. I'm sorry. Was my presence like obviously missing? Were you like I, missing jokes? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I From think what we I needed. Remember, yes, I was missing. <laughs> I, you know, there were moments where I got a little nervous. You know, Judy Gold's very established. I was very yeah. excited to talk to her. I was excited, you know, but. Um, my soothing voice there to like really kind of carry you through and ground you yeah and I do notice that when I get nervous I I I'm doing it right now I can never finish a sentence I start a sentence and I start another one and I start another one it's like notebooks I just keep starting new ones until I have a (laughs) bunch of shit and nothing makes sense yeah and I'm just it's all piled up and that's in my interview I'd be like and so like when you because I my mom but and I feel like sometimes you'll come in and be like what she's trying to ask you (laughs) is and then I the microphone is cutting out the entire time. Um, okay, well, I'll let you go, but uh, you know, you were missed, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, before I introduce our guest today, I have to obviously read a couple ads. If you know what this ad is, you're a fucking regular, and I just want to say congratulations and also thank you because what I'm about to tell you, you already know, indeed, baby. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. So you know what that means, bitches. We got one day. We got one day for you to get on Indeed. And find some candidates for your <laughs> for your business. Terms and conditions do apply. And now Indeed has a new way of matching with candidates that instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. This makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right? It's fucking December 30th. I think, yeah, it's December 30th, baby. We have one day to do this bullshit. Now let's get out there and do it. Okay, the other ad I'm reading. I feel like there's an echo in my parents' basement right now, and I don't like it. Ooh, we got some new copy for Bet Online, people. Get fucking pumped, because the NBA is back in action, because football is heading into the playoffs, so you got to have a new sport to gamble on, and that's the NBA, baby. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Maybe you have a problem. I'm in my parents' basement. We all got fucking problems. So go to Bet Online 
You can get in on their opening season bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to bet online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That is .ag, not .com, you sketchy fucks. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your number one. Oh, that's <laughs> that's a different ad I think I saw in a commercial. BetOnline, your online sports experts. I just thought it was a pretty fucking good read. Okay, my guest today, I feel very lucky to have her on. She's a stand-up, she's an actress, she's a writer, producer, she's won two daytime Emmys, she has a book out called Yes, I Can Say That, and she has a podcast called Kill Me Now, which I was on, hell yeah, and um, she's just awesome and really cool to talk to. Yeah, let's get fucking into it. Let's get into it. I realize I want to be a mom, but I, I don't know if it's just quarantine and I'm lonely, and I'm like, right. I just wish I had a kid to hang out with. Do you have a pet? No. I want to get a dog, but I'm uh, I'm nervous about that as well. Well, I hope you're more nervous about a kid than you are about a dog. But um, I didn't know. I was so into my career. And it was my partner who was like, I'm having this kid with or without you. And I was like, oh, all right. No, I'm in. But I don't know what would have I mean, I'm gay. I'm a lazy. It was in the mid nineties. It wasn't like, it was, wasn't easy. It's not like, you know, I got drunk and got pregnant. It was definitely planned both of my kids. And, um, it's the greatest thing in the whole world. Cause I feel like I was like, Oh, I just want a career. That's all I care about. But then I look at my parents even, and they're so happy that they're over their work and like, they're just have each other. Right. And I'm like, eventually a career ends. It's not even that it ends. It's like, it doesn't visit you in the nursing home. It's a part of you. And this, it's not for everyone. I'm not saying this is true for everyone, but it, it, the one thing that is true is if you're going to be a great comic, you have to have a life, you know? You have to yeah. uh, be able to relate to other people. And I have to say, having kids, it totally made my world so much bigger. And it made me not focus on myself. It made my act better. It, I create way more things and more diverse things. And watching all these young comics now who are having kids, you know, because I know Rachel was like, oh, I don't know if I, and I'm like, Rachel, you're going to be fine. And she always writes to me, you know, Rachel Feinstein, like, yeah. oh my God, thank you. This is the best thing I ever did. You know, it's scary and you should be scared, but it's yeah. also such a, the greatest thing in the whole world. I mean, John Fish, Ted Alexandro, I mean, so so many cut Tony Deo that all these people have kids it's great even Chris Stefano has a really funny bit about it how yes. they're like your career's over and he's like dude you're 34 and you have eight roommates like what are right. you talking about like, <laughs> I guess it's like that's how sick it is that I grew up in a cul-de-sac I'm like once you become a mom that's kind of your thing now and right, but that's all you know um I was really nervous. I was like, oh my God. And I didn't even give birth to the first, Henry, I didn't give birth to, I gave birth to Ben. And I'm, I'm the one who became the mommy at home. The one the nurse called. Cause my ex was, is a big CEO and she was working a lot. And I, I really took to it. I couldn't believe it. Were you strict? No, I was the worst. I feel like it'd be hard, especially like they could just Google YouTube me, my child, and it's like yeah. accidental butt stuff. And I'm like, yeah. how could I go around and go back and punish my kid then? Oh, I know. It's like Henry always throws shit in my face. Like, yeah, well, I had to listen to that on, you know, I think I did Jared Freed's podcast and I think he asked me about if I ever gave a blowjob and I was telling him about my first blowjob I gave and last blowjob I gave and, uh, Henry's like, I have to listen to that. And I'm like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. So, I mean, it is hard in that respect, but Gilbert Gottfried has kids. I mean, it's so great. Family is amazing. It's just, it's an amazing thing. And I'm so proud of my boys and they make me happier than anything else. Do you think they're more open with you because you're so open? Yeah, I think that we're very open as a family. Like it's sometimes I'm like, I don't want to know that. Like when Henry, you know, I realized Henry's, slept with way more women than I have, um, <laughs> 24. Um, <laughs> but they're very open. There's no stigma, you know, especially he has, they have gay parents that, you know, these two straight boys raised by women. Uh, one's a comedian. I mean, we spend the summers in P-Town. They see drag queens. It's just, I, yes, I wish I had, I was stricter. Um, but I can't go back and they're good people. The thing was that 
all the parent, all the moms uh, and dads of their friends would be like, oh, Henry was here and he was so polite or Ben was here and he was so polite. No, they're so not. And I was like, all right, as long as they're behaving outside of this apartment, I'm fine. So. Well, I feel like I was, because my mom was very strict. And then when I went to college, I was a nightmare. Absolutely. You're like, oh my God, I'm free. But New York City kids, they seem so much like a 16 year old kid is really like 18 or 19 in a suburb, you know, because they see so much stuff. They're exposed to so much stuff. By the time they go to college, they're like, oh, been there, done that. Not, you yeah. Know. Like, oh, you guys are doing cocaine yeah. at middle school. Even when I see kids riding the subway to school and I'm going to work, I'm like, this is crazy that this is your bus. Right. And- and they're just like, know what they're doing. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm on the right train right now. Right. I used to hate getting on the train at three o'clock because it was just like kids. Then I had kids. Yeah. You, you start realizing, oh, remember when those kids annoyed you when you were having brunch and then, and then you're the parent. You're like, now you're like, I get it. I get it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's their experiences are incredible. They're so resourceful. The kids who grew up in the city. And the other thing is we're on top of like parents know what's up with their kids in the city. Cause we live in apartments. No one's going to the school and shooting up the school because there's no place to hide your ammunition and your rage because there's one bathroom here. But um, that's the difference I think is that we're forced to be close proximity wise. So we talk more. For sure. Yeah, that's so true. Basements are like the pitfall of most teenage years, I feel. Right, right. Everything I did that I shouldn't have was done in a basement. Exactly. Or a shed or something like that. But not in, you know, Manhattan. It's really, it is much closer living. And people are like, oh, what about going outside? Riverside Park. There's so many parks. We would play baseball in Central Park and just pick, you know, ask anyone to play. I used to bring them to the projects to teach them how to play basketball. My younger son plays basketball for Tulane. But they could go to the theater. They could go to concerts. They can go to sporting events. I mean, and not get in the car. Just be there in 15 minutes. It's amazing. People that I met who grew up in the city in college and even after, they know, they're not afraid to handle anything. Right. It's so... So true. They're, my kids are fearless. And they've both traveled. Henry's traveled overseas by himself, like no biggie. You know, Ben's traveled overseas with his teams, but they're not afraid of that. They are really resourceful and they're exposed to so many different kinds of people. Yeah. And also, if you're a special person, if you're, you know, if you look different, if you um, are overly effeminate guy, or if you're whatever, whoever you are, if you're a weirdo and a nerd, there's a place for you in New York City. Yeah. And there's no, there's another weirdo or nerd who's nerdier and weirder than you are. And I used to tell, because I got bullied so much in high school and grammar school, you know, my whole growing up. So I used to say to the boys all the time, do not, if you see someone getting picked on, you go and rescue them. And they're like, mommy, no one cares. No one picks on anyone. Like, and I'm like, and my mother grew up in Manhattan and said it would have been so much easier to bring me up in Manhattan. Because you grew up in New Jersey? I grew up in New Jersey. Do you, do you always want to do stand-up? You know, I always wanted to be a performer and I loved stand-up. I mean, I loved Joan Rivers. I loved Phyllis Diller. I loved Toadie Fields. There were so many comics who I loved. You know, when I was in high school, I loved Elaine Boozler. Um, watching these women be silly and be irreverent and... I knew I wanted to perform and I didn't know what capacity until someone dared me to do stand up. And that first show, that was it. I was like an out of body experience. I was so, oh my God, this is what I'm meant to do with, with my life. It's, it's amazing. Cause you were in school at the, was it at your sophomore in at Rutgers and um, we did secret Santas and my secret Santa who I didn't know who it was, but he was my, he was the RA. He was my best friend also. And uh, we're still best friends. And he, they, they used to put a note on your door we took everything way too seriously for Secret Santa's where you had to perform a task and then you'd get your gift. And this went on for a week. And then at the Christmas party, Santa would go under the tree and um, pick up a gift and call your name. And then your Secret Santa, you would be revealed who is Judy's Secret Santa. So Howard, who was my 
And, and yes, I'm Jewish and there was a Christmas tree and I still think I'm Jewish and it's fine. So shut the fuck up, everybody. So I remember I got a note saying I had to give a speech on the Immaculate Conception, dress like I was going to church, wear a cross, sing, oh, come, oh, ye faithful, right? So I do that and I sing and I give a speech. Oh, I had to carry a Bible. And uh, then I get my gift at my door and it's this book, Jews in Suburbia. So I go to Howard, my RA, and I'm like, Howard, whoever's my secret Santa is really anti-Semitic, okay? Because this is, and he's like, Judy, there's nothing we can do about it until the Christmas party, okay? I can't do anything until I know who it is. And I'm like, well, I know who it is. And there was one German guy on the floor, and I was like, it's him. I know it's him. And um, he's like, all right, fine. So then the next morning I get up, and there's a note on my door, and it says I have to do stand-up comedy and use everyone who lives on the floor as material. I have to do a set, five to ten minutes. I took it so seriously. And I took two days off of class and I wrote jokes about all everyone. I was so nervous. I had a mic. I don't even know why I had a mic and a mic stand. And, and I went out to the lounge and I got my first laugh and that was it. I was like hooked. And so then the holiday party came and, and Howard dressed up as Secret Santa and he pulls out my present and he's like, uh, well, Judy Gold's um, Secret Santa, please come forward. And no one came forward. And then I looked at Howard and he started smiling and it was him. So he wanted to throw you off of the book? Is that why he- Yeah, he was like completely throwing me off, but he's the one who made, I thank him in, everyone, every, in everything I do because he's the one that made me do stand up. Truly, I, I started stand up because I realized I was bad at improv. Like growing up, I watched Daniel Tosh, but I didn't really watch a lot of stand up and I never really thought of stand up as like a female thing. And even now I'll go to an open mic and it's me and 26 guys. And I'm like, it's- right. When you started, were you, did you feel like you were the only girl? Well, it's funny because when I started, and I, I started in the early 80s, I moved to New York in 84 and then subsequently was working as a comic. And people don't realize that we, the women, especially when we went on the road and going on the road, I have to tell you, there were no computers, there were no cell phones. You couldn't use the phone in the hotel because it was too expensive. It was the most isolating horror. I used to have one suitcase that was a junk drawer where I just bring books. I brought my clarinet. I had a coffee maker because there were no Starbucks yet. I mean, it was awful, but women never got to work with each other. That was the problem. You know, you'd call clubs and be like, you know, I'd be like, hey, I'm Judy Gold. I, I did Evening at the Improv or Caroline's Comedy Hour and A&E and I really want to work your club. And I can't tell you how many times the club owner was like, oh, we had a woman here four months ago and she didn't do well, so we're not hiring any women. And so we never got to work with each other. It was such a small group of us. But on Thursday, there was this place on 55 Grand Street in Soho, and it was called Comedy U Grand. And Thursday nights was all, was just women. They used to advertise female comedians, like, hello. N-N-E. Like yeah, E-I-E-N-N-E. I was like, oh my God, you already said female, so shut the fuck up. You know, anyway. And Thursday nights was the one night we would all get on stage. And that's how, you know, that was our one night of the week because they would never put more than one woman on a show. So there were less, but I think now, I think that's changing. I yeah. think that it's, people would say, oh, there's, yeah, women aren't funny, which was so annoying. You know, the percentage of funny women to all women comics is the same as funny men to all male comics, but there's less of us, you know? But now, and now we have they, them comics. You know, comedy is not feminine in any stretch of the imagination. It's a powerful position. Comedy yeah. is a weapon. You have the power, you're on stage, you're controlling the audience, you know? And we equate power and control with masculinity in this country. So, and so many guys don't want to give it up for a while. It's like, shut the fuck up. You know, women aren't funny. It's, they, that's a, such a reflection of them. Okay, and you can just say, so Joan Rivers wasn't funny? I mean, come on. Yeah. Tita Faye's not funny? Fuck you. And also, I used to get, these MCs would bring me up, you know, and they would oftentimes, did I tell you this when we were doing the podcast? I don't they, would, they would say our next act is a, um, is a woman. We have a woman, co female coming up. It's a female comedian, blah, blah, blah. Welcome Judy Gold. And I, this is what I would do. I'd be like, 
Oh my God, thank you, John. That was John, he's our MC. He's a male, he has a penis and a scrotal sack and balls, so he's, ma he's male. These are my tits. Like, I would just give it right back to them. So they stopped. And that's what you have to do. You have to use it for the weapon that it is. Yeah, when I first started, guys would say that too, because I, I mean, I didn't have any credits and they'd be like, it's a woman. And she's attractive. And I'd be like, how is this and my And you should, could be like, and if that was a guy and not attractive. So uh, enjoy, it's 1954, take care. You know, fuck you. I would give it right back and they stopped. Well, that's the thing is now no guys say that. I'm like, is it because I'm performing with better comics or I'm getting older? I don't know. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's probably thing. because, I don't know, one of us told them to cut the fucking shit. Well, when you started stand-up, did your parents, what were your parents' reaction to it? It was very... My parents wanted me to, my father especially wanted me to be a music teacher. My father died when I was 27 and he was, I, I, after he died, I found like he had saved every, and I hadn't been on TV yet or done anything, but any article that mentioned me or anything he had saved. And they did come to see me in Vegas. I was emceeing a, a show at one of the comedy clubs in the casino. So... I think because I didn't ask them for money, they were supportive. And I worked during the day um, I, so I could get health insurance. I worked until I could make it as a comedian. And then, you know, my father died. And then my mother was very supportive, especially when I was getting work. But it, you know, it's so funny because she would say things like, I'd be like, I'm going to Florida tomorrow. You getting paid? Yes, I'm getting paid. I'm not going to get a fucking plate. You're like, she remembers those early days where I never got any money. I hope they're paying you. I'm like, Ma, who's the headline? I'm the headliner now, okay? I've been doing this 35 years. Now I'm the headliner. You know, my mother was so much a part of my act. You know, my act was all about her. Uh, and people would say, oh, is, does your mother get upset? And I'd be like, no, she loves it. I remember one time, this is such a good mother story. I would do Mother's Day at Caroline's. And... I remember my mother came into the show and I used to do a joke because she had had her cataracts removed and the doctor gave her these huge sunglasses to wear to protect her eyes from the sun for like four to six weeks after the operation. And she thinks they're attractive. She, you know, the joke was she still wears them. She looks like B. Arthur as a welder. So I'm doing this show at Caroline's and she's sitting in the front row and I do that joke and all of a sudden... I look over, she's t she takes the glasses out of her purse and puts them on and wears them for the entire rest of the show. I mean, it was just fucking hilarious. And people would be like, does your mother get upset? No, you know, it's so funny that everyone gets upset about every little fucking thing now. The greatest compliment in the world is a comedian writing a bit about you. Like if someone imitated me on SNL, I'd be like, oh my God, I made it. So I think because I worked really hard and I didn't ask them, Yes, they helped me a little bit when I was in deep shit, but I think they really liked it. Yeah, I feel like my parents, now they're very supportive, but they were just like, I don't know if this could work. Right, because there's no reference point. Exactly. It's like, no one does that, but it's funny because now you know my son, Henry, who was always like, why can't you get a regular job? Why do you have to leave every, you know, because I would, we'd have dinner, I'd they'd come home from school and then do homework, dinner, blah, blah, and then I'd go out. And he's yeah. like, eh. but of course I was available all day, every day when he was fucking sick. So he shut the fuck up. Anyway, I mean, you see how he is so comfortable around comedians and knows that oh, it's a lesson as a mother that I followed my dream and I made a living, you know, look, my dream hasn't come true and I'm not where I ever dreamed I would be. I would always was like, Oh, I'm going to get a huge penthouse apartment. You know, like you always think, you know, but I raised two kids as a comedian, you know, like, yeah, I've had, it, it's such a, it goes up and down and up and down, but I, they know they're loved. They know they come first. And Henry is, you know, has been working in comedy clubs and producing shows and, it's amazing. He was the one that would always scream at me, like, "Why can't you get another job? Why can't get it?" And he's he's in the industry, <laughs> like he's working with comics because he knows how to talk to them. Well, also, he was probably just wanted to go with you. <laughs> but and I now do. He's like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Like you have the best balance. I feel like with stand up and yeah. producing a show, you have two Emmys. You've done a lot of shit. But I've also had to. It, it's work. You have to do the work. It's not going to just come to you. 
who said that someone said, you know, it's, it is getting the opportunity and being prepared. You know, that's it. Yeah. It's luck meets preparation. That's when it, you know, you can't want something. You'll get it when you're ready. And look, I haven't gotten half the shit I wanted, but I have a family. I, I get on stage and make people laugh and I get paid for it. I mean, come on. Yeah. One time I like said to my brother, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever make it. And he goes, Hannah, what the fuck is making it? Yeah, exactly. What does that even mean? That is what other people define. You know, other people are like, and to this day, they'll be like, oh, how come I haven't seen you on blog? It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. How come you're not a partner in your fucking law firm, asshole? It's just funny that people think they can say whatever the fuck they want to comedians. But there's so many comics with kids. You know, Corey Kahaney, Jessica Curson, Bonnie McFarlane. Um, Natasha Leggero. Yeah, they're all doing fine. Yeah, because I think, well, now, too, there's just a better balance of, like, oh, women can work and be mothers. Whereas before, I just felt like... like oh, even, please. They're still... Look at these fucking Republicans. They still say shit like that. Yeah, I guess I just haven't been in Virginia in a while. So, I, yeah, like... Don't, don't go back. You can abide by whatever the man does this, the woman does this, you know? Really? And yeah. That, that's worked so well? I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. When did you come out? Where, did you come out before you started, or... Uh, well, everyone I knew knew, uh, you know, but I came out on stage in 1996 when Henry was born. I was always working in the straight clubs and I didn't have any material about being gay because I really didn't. I mean, I was in this relationship with I had a 20 year relationship. It was boring. I didn't talk about it. And I, I didn't want to be a gay, a lesbian comedian. I wanted to be a comedian who happened to be a lesbian. So I was working all the straight clubs. But once Henry was born, I had so much material about being a parent. And I was like, what kind of message is that to your kids? Like, listen, we don't talk about this. Like, there's something wrong with us. And I was like, fuck it. And I came out on stage. Definitely had an impact on my career. But I, I was never going to not be who I am and true to who I, true to myself, you know? And it was funny because, you know, I'd come out on stage. I'd have to say, you know, I'd say that I was a lesy parent which is how I sort of came out as a gay parent. And people, you know, after a few minutes, forgot that I was lezzy because it was like, I love the word lezzy, sorry. Because um, it's the same family that you have. It's the same issues that you have. So it's like, you know how important representation is. So yeah. it was great for people to come up to me and be like, oh, I never thought about that. Oh, I see why gay people should be able to get married now. But, but you know, it really does. You see the world in a whole different way. Yeah, it's because now I feel like it's celebrated with representation, everything else. It's like they really encourage you to be exactly who you are and everything because it's like, oh, we can build this into a show. Yeah, but before, like I remember in the 90s, I would always, I started pitching a show about a gay family, you know? And that's what one of my one person shows is about. It, my, the Judy show, My Life is the Sitcom, was about me growing up thinking I was going to be on a sitcom and then pitching my life as a sitcom and no one takes it because, no, the, the America's not ready for a gay family. I mean, think about it. You know, Will and Grace is not that long ago. And that's the first time, like, gay people are really represented and main characters on a show. And it's not like, look at our fairy next door, you know? Yeah, gym teacher. So it's so important to come out and to be, you can't be a great comic and not be true to yourself. But that being said, as a mother, you know, Henry has definitely gotten pissed off at stuff I talk about, say about him on stage. Like what's something he got pissed off about? Oh, I guess so he much, but there is a funny story that he won't. So I'm in Provincetown now and I have a house here and I, I've performed here every summer. And uh, I remember one summer, Henry was like, I don't know, 13, 14, 12. I don't know. He watched, he loves Law and Order. He loved SVU. And it was so annoying because we'd have fights and he'd be like, that's false. I'm like, okay, Henry, we're not in a courtroom. No one says that in a fight with their mother. So I don't know what happened. He was in that, at that age. And he's like, do you not talk about me on stage. I'm getting a cease and desist and you cannot, I'm like, oh my God, fine. What if I change your name, Henry? What if I change, fine. I said, okay, what do you want me to call you? And he says, Jerome. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, he must, that must be a character on some Law and Order SVU, whatever. So that night, of course, I get on stage and I tell this whole story about, you know, how Henry wants to be called Jerome and blah, blah, blah. And it was, that was the, became the bit, you know? And I was like, and Jerome. So then afterwards, Henry meets me and we're walking down the street in Provincetown to go get ice cream. And all these audience members are like, oh, is that Jerome? And I was like, shut the fuck up! 
and he was so mad at me. He's like, you told them, you know, so he didn't talk to me for like, but yeah, he used to get really annoyed, but that's his personality. But I also think too, I mean, I guess if your other son wasn't, but I'm like, I used to get so embarrassed by my parents just because that's what you do in seventh grade is just like everything they do is embarrassing. Yeah, they still, you know, Ben, my younger son, cause he plays basketball and there's all this basketball etiquette. Like if I'm screaming during a game, he, he, especially in high school, he would like from the court be like, you know, put his finger up, tell me to shut up. But um, yeah, they're definitely think I'm crazy and they get embarrassed by me, but you know what? And then I say, do you want me to act like so-and-so or you don't want me to be like so? And it's so funny because all the families that Henry was like, they're perfect and they're really great. And I'm like, and now he sees them and I'm like, "Mm, no one's got a perfect family. Yeah, and that's like me watching my friends get married now. I'm always like, right. I keep behind in my life. My mom's like, give it four years. It's going to... It'll happen when it happens. Yeah, she just means they'll, they'll split up. Don't do anything until your mid-30s. Sorry. But New York is delayed in that way. None of my friends in New York are even in relationships. Right, because you're having a life. But did you know you always wanted to live in New York? Oh, yes. My mother grew up here. I would come in... You know, as a high schooler, I'd come to the city. We used to go to shows. There was only one shoe store that had my size shoe. So we used to, my mother and I used to take the train in. And I mean, because she grew up in Manhattan, I had a whole different, she would, she said, um, if I could live in a tent in Times Square, I would. She hated the suburbs. So I grew up with someone who hated the suburbs and loved the city. And she's the one that said it would have been so much easier to bring me up here. And it is easy. It is really easy. Were you wild in high school? I mean, it was 1970s, you know, and like a night out was like getting it, whoever could drive, and then we'd go try find pot. And, you know, it was nothing huge, you know, the usual drinking and, and pot. But then, of course, you know, I grew up 27 miles from the city. There were people there who were like, oh, I don't go to New York. I'm like, You're, it's the great, what, what do you mean? It's too dangerous, you know, forget it. Yeah, I, I'll meet people when I go back to Virginia. They're like, oh, I hate New York City. And I'm like, really? When's the last time you were there? Fuckhead. Yeah, like, where? how do you want this conversation to go? Yeah, and wh- what do you know? Like, t- oh, really? Tell me about the city. Tell me about what you hate about it. And I, I want to be like, yeah, I would hate, I would kill myself if I had to go to a strip mall every day. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I don't know. I feel like I, because growing up there and then going to school in LA, I got like crazy. You were dying to get free from the, yeah. Was your mom strict? Yes, very. But I was the youngest. So it was like, you know, here's the deal. This is my parents were much older when they had me. And my grandmother who lived with us, she used to come on the weekends and I would share a room with her. My grandmother was born in 1896. And she lived till I was 25. And I was really close to her. So I had these older parents which is now a thing. And they were sort of set in their ways and they weren't young and they did things, you know, they knew what was important and what wasn't important. I sort of grew up in in a different environment than most kids who had parents who had children in their 20s. My mother was 41, my father was 48. So it's like, I was surrounded by a whole two generations before it's, and it was interesting that I have that connection. Yeah. My dad growing up was so strict and he was so corporate, but then like him losing his job and then starting his own business. Now he's the chillest person I've ever met and like knows what's important and has it figured out. Right. As they get older. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck that. That, I can't believe. So I kind of started with that. But then there was that old fashioned was like, no, mom, no one does that anymore, you know? But it's like, look, I didn't have a lunchbox. I had a paper bag with my, you know, there were just like little things. Both of my, my brother got bar mitzvah. My sister and I were bar mitzvah. We didn't have big parties or anything like that. Um, it was about the bar and bat mitzvah. It wasn't about the party. I was like, okay, I'm already unpopular, thanks. But <laughs> it was so funny because she would be like, who cares what they think and who could? And you do care. You do care about shit like that. And I used to be like, why don't you care? And now I get it. Like, yeah, who fucking gives a shit what they think? Who cares if they have a new car or new this? It doesn't mean they're wealthy. They were... They were wise. You know, I grew up around wise people. And I think I have different values. You know, yeah. I still handwrite thank you notes to people and mail them. And I'm an old nerd. It's funny you're saying all these things. You're like paper bag. I was like, I had a paper bag. And then you're yeah. like, 
notes. My mom made me write thank you notes. And also now she'll be like, Hannah, you call someone, you don't text them. And I'm right, like, exactly. You're no, you done. don't. I love and now I'll call people and they'll be like, why are you calling me? I'm like, to be more proactive and be polite. They're like, this is too much. And I'm but like, that's on them. I, you know, I was talking, I was texting with someone yesterday in, in Montreal and I just called and it was so, I said, I can't do this. Like, it's like, but it's because we didn't grow up with it. You know, you're, if you called someone who wasn't your age and of course they'd be like, oh, it's so nice to hear from you. You know what I yeah. mean? It's the people your age who are like, no, we don't. And I, I'm sorry. You guys are missing out on so much shit. Walking down the street and without a phone and taking in, you know, being present. I remember, I'm going to sound so fucking old, but whenever I worked really hard at something, I would um, reward myself by going to Tower Records and looking through albums. For hours, I'd get stoned and then I'd go look through albums and I'd bring them home and you'd sit and listen and no one's fucking interrupting you and you don't get the news every fucking five seconds. You know, people make eye contact, they have conversations. It, yes, there's some good things about social media and, but, and the phones, but sorry. No, I agree. I mean, the other day I was driving, uh, I was in an Uber on the highway and you could see New Jersey and it looked really pretty. And I was like, but I was looking at my phone and I realized that the photo in my scroll was outside my window. It was like right. the same image. And I was looking at it on my phone and that's what I was like, this is so toxic. So stupid. I, it's like, I used to go to the kids would at school, they'd put on like a holiday thing or they were, you know, doing a presentation. And there were so many parents who were just doing it through their camera and not even being there. It's like, just be there and remember it. Yeah, because it's also like, I wonder when they watch that footage back. I feel never, like- Never, never. They put it yeah. on Facebook and it gets four views yeah. and they're like, okay, perfect. They got a like. I don't need to know everything you're fucking doing, you know? Yeah. Do you follow your kids on Instagram and stuff? Yeah, we follow each other. We don't, we don't really keep a lot from each other. They'll make comments to me or they'll comment on my posts and I'll comment on their posts too, yeah. Yeah, I had to hide my story from my mom because she would look at it and then be like, why are you, where are you there? You know, like she would comment on it. Like, why are you at that rush? Like, she's just so invested. I know, it's like, no. So yeah. that's the thing, you know, the, the privacy and, and, you know, people had other families. I mean, you could lie, you know, it's just, you know, and the, here's the other thing that is the saddest part of the whole, um, this whole phone and all this. So much great art and inventions came out of being bored. Before this, you know, you could get on your phone and play a game. You were bored. You're like, oh, what do I want to do? And you would create things or you'd, you know, go practice the piano or go draw or go ride your bike, whatever you did. And people are afraid to be bored. I'm one of those people for yeah. sure. Even in this pandemic, like I used to focus so much on comedy and now I'm trying to be like, how can I make this digitally, you know, be this digital comic? It's such a different medium and I don't right. find it funny. And it's like, you have to do this. Yeah, you got to do what you do and just do it. Do the work and be prepared for when the opportunities come. Yeah. I actually think drug use went up, but I'm like, what did people do when they were bored? Oh my God. We like, used to, you know, Ben, my little one was watching Friends and I was like, do you see how no one has a fucking phone? They talk to each other. I don't know. People figured shit out. They would occupy their time reading books or drawing or running or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I literally can't think of one thing that I've, if I have my phone, I'm always like, what do I do with my hands? I like, right, right. Her. It's really sad. You know, I left the house and like, oh, fuck. I don't have my phone, what if? And then I was like, yeah, what if? Who cares? It's because I grew up without it. I've lived most of my life without it. Um, and I can tell when it's making me crazy and I have to put it away. And you know, when you look at your screen time, like sometimes I'm like, I'm gonna pay attention because I get up and I, you know, I'll turn my alarm off on the phone and then, you know, it's all designed for, you know, you to be hooked. You look at the clock, you're like, oh, I'll just check. I just want to check Instagram and see blah, 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 or Twitter and see what's trending. And then I look up and it's 20 minutes later. It's like, oh my God, what a fucking waste. I know. I'm trying to think the amount of shower water I wasted just getting on my phone about to get in the shower. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, the shower's been running for 15 minutes. Right, right. Like, or and you leave the refrigerator I'm open. Or you're never present. You're never fully there. And it's like, 
Yeah, I think it's going to backfire at some point, don't you? I think it already is. Like people are already feel a little crazy. And I, I even think in comedy, like it makes people more competitive in a way that's unhealthy. Right. One thing I'm working through in therapy is I'll catch myself in a hole with a female comedian who's my age getting competitive. And I'm like, what right. am I doing? I don't even like, why am I obsessed? No, with everyone has their own path and who cares? You can't, you're, you know, it's your story. You're going to create differently than someone else and you're going to get things and someone else isn't going to get things, but just do your work. You can't compare yourself to other people in this business. It'll drive you fucking crazy. But see, you have such a level head with it. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, this is such a good attitude to have. And I'm like, did you always feel right, like but No, I used to be like, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I get that? And I'm like, you know, you get to a certain point where you're like, it doesn't fuck. I've seen so many people at the top. Now no one even knows who they are. I've seen so many executives who were making decisions who said, no, 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 gone, left the business, you know. I've just been doing it for so long. And it's like, there's certain things you have control over and certain things you don't. The only thing you have control over is your work and yeah. your time and, and just um, writing. That's it. That's the only thing you can do is create. All the other shit is just about other people. It's like half the time you don't get stuff because it has nothing to do with you. So-and-so's father is friends with this one. You know, it's just, it's not a fair business. But the only thing you have control over is your work. Yeah. What would you say is the mo the thing you're most proud of? My kids, probably. That's it. Yeah. This is further proof that I want kids. I'm yeah. like, I mean, I just, I mean, what can I point? Yeah, I've done this and that. I'm proud of, definitely proud of, you know, the book and my one person show, you know, lots of stuff, but there's nothing compares to having two. Like the first thing you said was like, you're, I met your son and he's really nice. So that's all you want. Um, he seems so normal to a point where I was like, your mom's a comedian? Yeah. Just because I was like, he's so personal. It's so funny. He was always like that because, you know, he would walk down the street. You know how like when you're a kid and you walk down the street and you bump into like your mother's friends and you're like, hi, Mrs. You know, all the mothers used to say, you know, Henry, when I bump into him, he stops. He asks me how I am. He asks me how that he's so person. And he's always been like that because I took him everywhere with me. That's why he slept with more women than you have. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> he knows how to work a room. Yeah. Well, right. also being around comedians, it was he around your. Oh yeah. So many comic friends. And also I never shied away from watching, you know, um, south park with them or family guy and so many mothers and, and not so much the dads but would be like i can't believe you let your kid I'm, kid watch that and i'm like i want them to know what's funny like what's gonna happen what's gonna yeah. happen if they watch that Ooh, they're gonna go like murder someone because they saw a fucking you know episode of south park no yeah that my parents were the same way they'd bring me to austin powers scary movie all this stuff right and I was the last to lose my virginity of all my friends. Um, when my friend couldn't watch Rugrats. I'm like, yeah, this is not, there's no, right, no one's exactly. going to watch Austin Powers and be like, I'm going to go fuck. Right. <laughs> Did you have one rule where you were like, you can't? This is the one rule. If you say something really mean and horrible, you won't get in trouble if it's funny. And that was our rule. <laughs> but if it was a miss, if the punchline was, was a miss, there, it was like, go to your room. And then I would never follow through. I was, I was bad. Over Thanksgiving, I was having a weird discussion with my grandfather and my dad about spanking. I wasn't spanked, but my brother was, and a little bit, not too hard. But then my grandfather was like, yeah, kids need to get hit. And I'm like, is this a generational thing? Yeah, that I just, I couldn't do it. I, I can't do it. And I was, I was whipped with the belt. I was hit. I, I can't do it. I wonder if that's less, because less and less parents do it with every generation. But I, I hadn't really thought about Oh, that. my God. The shit our parents did that now, you know, they would be calling the police. You know, it's ridiculous. What was the number one rule in your house growing up? Oh, my God. There were so many. <laughs> I mean, they were really strict about table manners, the way you held your fork. Um, I remember we weren't supposed to, couldn't use a pusher, you know, where you take bread and shove it onto your fork. I mean, really, we had like... That's pretty uh, specific. Yeah, my grandmother, I'm telling you, she was born in 1896. She used to be like, you have to have beautiful penmanship. It was just incredible. The other rule was we always said Mr. and Mrs. We never called our parents friends by their first names. We were more afraid of our parents. We were definitely more respectful. I respected their things. My kids are like 
No. You know, I was afraid to disappoint them. Um, not, not my kids, no. I feel like my kids would be, because I was so scared <laughs> of making my mom mad. They don't give a shit. Yeah, but I don't know if it's a way to be, because then it's like, now I feel like if I do something bad in my real life, I'm getting away with something because my mom doesn't know about it, when in reality, it's like, I'm an adult and I shouldn't. Right, be- yeah, yeah, you can't, you, that's the other thing, when you become a parent, you really, you know, there's so many times where you would watch people with their kids and be like, they're the worst parent. You can't be judgy. It's like a secret society of, you know, you can't really compare having children or being a parent to anything. Like no one really understands unless they're also a parent. You really don't. Well, I saw a photo of my mom when she was like 15, when I was 15. And I thought it was a photo of me because we look so much alike. And it freaked me out because I was like, oh, no wonder she's so strict about me. She's looking at herself. Right, exactly. She's like, don't fuck this up for me again. Um, But the last thing I ask is, um, do you have a secret that you don't want your mom to know? Oh, my God. Uh, Well, I was hit by a car on the way. um, I was on my bicycle. I was 16, and I was going to driver's ed, and I got hit by a car. It was terrible. I had stitches in my head and my, you know, I wore a neck brace and I had my elbow was fractured. And my mother has no idea that I had smoked pot right before I got hit by the car. It, that's yeah. the one I, you know, when I was 16, that's the one that really. My mom doesn't like pot either. So anything, I feel like everything I do, she's like, you want to write your single weed. Yeah. Like you can't, you haven't been yeah. able to finish this. It's because of the weed. Yeah. I wouldn't want my mom to know that either. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank this. you. Um, do you want to plug your handles in your book? And Okay, so I'm Judy Gold. You can go to my website, judygold.com, and buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble, which is all about free speech and censorship from the perspective of a comedian. If you like comedy, it's funny and informative, and it's, yeah, and it's an easy read. So that's that. And then on, on socials, I'm at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm a Jew. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.